0: Today, answers matter more than ever before. That's why IBM is helping businesses manage customer questions with Watson Assistant. It's conversational AI designed to work for any industry. Let's put smart to work. Visit IBM.com slash Watson Assistant.
1: What's good? Welcome to the best 60 Minutes of Your Day. And when it comes to the NBA offseason, it's like Shade said, every day is Christmas and every night is New Year's Eve. Grab a pad and a pen, people, because Ramona Shelburne, Jeff Goodman, Brian Wenthorse, all here bearing the gift of inside information as we take down toward NBA free agency. One of the top guys and several teams plan A is Gordon Hayward, whose plan is to visit the Heat and then the Celtics and finally meet with the Jazz. But help is on the way for that point guard spot in Utah. As the Jazz will acquire Ricky Rubio from the Timberwolves for Oklahoma City's 2018 first round pick. Minnesota trading Rubio into Utah's $16 million of expiring cap space, which now gives Minnesota approximately $32 million in cap space. Brian Windhorst, what does this deal mean for the Wolves going forward?
0: Yeah, so the Wolves were looking to bolster their backcourt and they just cleared a spot out. And in talking to some executives, they believe that they know who they're going to target tonight. They cleared Ricky Rubio off of their salary cap knowing that they're going to be able to make a deal with a point guard very quickly here. The market is very good for point guards. There's more openings than uh, there's more uh, players than there are openings. And so look for them to target Jeff Teague departing from the Indiana Pacers with a rich deal with the size of this uh, salary cap space they have that would still allow them to look for other players. If they can't complete a Jeff Teague deal, Kyle Lowry is out there. Mm. But when they made this deal today, right at the buzzer of Utah running out of salary cap space that they would have had to give up at midnight, they did it knowing they had a replacement already in the fold.
1: Ramona, I've read a lot where Gordon Hayward's returning to Utah mm-hmm. is in part dependent on the point guard position, George Hill, a free agent, not a replacement for Ricky Rubio. Does this acquisition help Utah's chances of keeping Gordon Hayward?
2: Well, I think I, I think they're still in the same spot with him. Though what they are is in a different spot with with. With their other situation, they, this gives them uh, negotiating from a place of strength right now. I think Gordon Hayward right now they, they feel good in the bond that he has with that community, in the bond that he has with Quinn Snyder, but they also obviously are very worried about the bond that he has with Brad Stevens out in Boston, and so and and whatever happens when you get in a room with Pat Riley and the Miami Heat, that's happened before, as you remember in the NBA. So I think you know for, with Utah though, this now means that they can negotiate from a place of strength, right? They have a point guard, right? If they lose another point. If they if they lose George Hill, then they have they do have rookie Rubio Mm -hmm. and they don't get caught with nothing.
1: All right. uh, Goodman, let's go to Boston here for a second, because that's for Hayward. uh, Mark Stein, he says that the Celtics have ramped up, quote unquote, their pursuit of Gordon Hayward. How is that? So, Jeff, how they ramped it up? Well, this is
3: their guy. This is who everybody knows they want. Brad Stevens obviously coached him in college. Danny Ainge wants to target him. I'm told that this trade Rubio for George Hill really won't change things that much for Gordon Hayward, that he actually liked playing with George Hill. Hmm. So it's going to be interesting to see. Most people I've talked to feel it's going to come down to Utah or Boston, that if he's going to leave for less money, it's going to be to play for Brad Stevens in Boston for a team that he thinks has a, a legitimate shot to contend for an NBA title, whether it's a year from now, two years from now. And obviously the Celtics have a lot of assets that they can then flip for another player, maybe
1: Paul George. Okay, Goodman, you're saying Utah or Boston for Hayward. Windhorse? what do you have?
0: Michael, this has a different aspect in the Gordon Hayward chase as well. One of the things that the Jazz were worried about... Was being able to pay Joe Inglis, who's their young, uh, yep. good third guard. This guy is going to be targeted as a starter elsewhere. The Orlando Magic or one of the teams that are going to go after him. By getting cost certainty with Rubio and being able to let George Hill walk, this opens mm-hmm. the door for Utah to be able to match an offer to Inglis that way, be, be more attractive to Hayward. They're, they're, they weren't just necessarily worried about who was going to play point guard. Hayward fits really well alongside him, and this enables them to maybe retain him as well to be more attractive to Gordon Hayward. And really one of the reasons why Gordon Hayward is not having his meeting with the Jazz until last, until Monday, he wants to see what actions they take in Mm. the first few days of free agency. This is a big salvo in the opening of of that negotiation. Obviously,
1: the team that won 50 games for the first time in his career— still trying to stay strong, and of course they have the all-important money edge. Uh, let's go to another marquee free agent. So L.A. can offer Blake Griffin more money, uh, but Phoenix, they can offer Griffin a fresh start. His first visit is the Suns on Saturday. Ramona, you've already reported that he's serious about the Suns. What else you got on Blake and the Suns?
2: Well, look, the, the Clippers are, keeps, are saying publicly and privately, they he is their top priority. And you know guys, I got to say I think they're going to they will give him what they he needs to get the deal done in LA. I think they're really strong about that. But when you when you chance things, you saw what happened with Chris Paul, right? When they weren't willing to go the full five year max for him right off the top, he got burned a little bit. He got he got a little upset, and I think that's why you start getting a wandering eye. So they're they're taking a chance and playing it this way with Blake Griffin. But they're saying publicly now and privately that trying to keep Blake Griffin his number one priority for the Clippers. And so that meeting with the Suns, I think he hasn't he he said on a podcast a couple of years ago that Phoenix was the is was his second favorite city in the NBA. I think yep. there's there's real interest there. He likes the the culture there, obviously they have great medical staff. He'll, he'll take that meeting, but I, I think LA is going to do what it takes to keep him. Wendy,
1: what you hearing when it comes to Blake? Phoenix, we've heard obviously Boston as a fallback to Blake uh, to Gordon Hayward, Miami, and obviously LA with the money. What are you hearing, Wendy?
0: So last week, the, the Suns got dealt a little bit of a setback because the salary cap came in about $2 million lower than expected. So in recent hours here, the Phoenix Suns have been trying to move off of money off of their payroll because they've only got about $28 million in space and they would need about $30 million to get the max for Blake Griffin. A lot of executives think when they meet with Blake Griffin, they want to be able to tell him that they can give him the full max. As we sit here right now, they cannot. The other thing to look at, as we've heard, is that Paul Millsap is an option for Phoenix at the power forward position. They've been getting ready for this for months. They signed his brother, Elijah Millsap, right at the end of the regular season. They've been in talks with the Atlanta Hawks about a potential sign-in trade mm. to alleviate their, 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 their cap issue in that if they go that route. And
1: back to Ramona's point about the uh, Clippers want to do what it takes to keep Blake. Uh, you had Executive VP Lawrence Frank today call Blake quote-unquote Clipper royalty uh, to <laughs> USA Today. Let's move on to Paul George. So Kevin Pritchard and the Pacers, they seem to be playing patient with Paul George. The Celtics, they have the assets and the master plan of signing Hayward and then pairing him with Paul George, Jeff Goodman. How confident are the C's? They can eventually pull off a deal for Paul George. We'll get to the Rockets in a second, but I wanted to talk Celtics first with you, Jeff Goodman.
3: You know, it, it depends on the asking price. Right now, it's too high for Danny Ainge, and it has been. But as this goes along, is Kevin Pritchard going to set his, his sights a little bit lower? Because, frankly, there, there aren't a lot of players here. There's only a couple teams at, at the table, and, and you've got the Lakers that are going to wait this thing out and see if they don't have to give anything to get Paul George in a year. You've got Cleveland that doesn't even have a general manager right now. I don't know what Dan Gilbert's doing with Chauncey Phillips. So right now this thing is kind of in a holding pattern because nobody wants to give too much for Paul George beyond the asking price, and Kevin Pritchard doesn't want to give him away.
1: Hey, Wendy, one of my favorite lines from you regarding Daryl Morey is that his schemes have schemes, all right? He is not playing impatient when it comes to taking down Golden State, wants to go for it now, he and the Rockets. What's the latest on Houston's pursuit of Paul George?
0: Well, Houston's obviously going to have plans B, C, D, E, F uh, lined up. But what the whole league is waiting on to see what Gordon Hayward does. If Gordon Hayward goes to Boston, then obviously it changes the, the offer that they may be able to make Indiana. And Indiana, realizing it's in a weak position right now, is going to let that play out and see if they can get the biggest offer, which they think is going to come from Boston. If Gordon Hayward decides to go elsewhere, re-signing in Utah or going to Miami, then it opens up things for other teams. Uh, are the Rockets being... F- front at that list but of course Daryl Morey is not going to sit on his hands he is out here in Los Angeles going to be meeting with free agents uh, over the next 24 to 48 hours just in case the Paul George thing doesn't come through
1: Ramona you're obviously locked into all things LA Lakers just laying in the cut or they get at all nervous with all these different teams trying to get Paul George him trying to recruit <laughs> other players to his mm-hmm. maybe it's a temporary destination what are the Lakers saying behind the scenes about their plan of waiting out Paul George for next year
2: what? You know, Mike. You know the expression: the best offense, a good defense. That's where the Lakers are right now. They are watching every team, every move everybody's making. They're they're keeping an eye on everything to see if they feel like some team could really jump up and grab Paul George. Uh, and, and and Brian's right. The only way they the the offers sweeten, the only way everybody else puts in more to what they've already offered Indiana or what they've already discussed with them is if Gordon Hayward goes to Boston, and then you see other dominoes fall, just like what we're seeing now in the point guard market. Now that, that Ricky Rubio heads to Utah, there's there's some things that open up now. So, I think the Lakers are just watching in free agency. They're really not doing anything. They're sitting back. They're saving their cap space, Rob Pelinka the new GM is calling that sacred cap space for next <laughs> summer. Okay? And they're going to give out one-year deals. They'll probably announce as two-year deals with a player option on the on the second year. And so you'll see, guys, maybe you'll see two year two years $20 million yeah. year, deals, two years $30 million deals. But they're sitting out free agency until the end because, again, the best offense is a good right. defense. And, and, no, and no
1: Mozgov dang contracts this time around. <laughs> Not thank this year. Hey, just to the people at home, I don't know about you, but if you're an NBA inside information nerd, you're in heaven right now. Uh, the way to conquer the Warriors might be to, <laughs> to divide them. Uh, league sources tell our Chris Haynes and Andre Igui Iguodala doesn't have plans to meet with the Warriors during the initial free agency period, although that doesn't rule out a return. But I've seen at least seven teams reported to have interest, and Iggy can start talking th- talking to them tonight. Uh, talk to me, Ramona Shelburne. What's, th- what's up with Iguodala?
2: Listen, Andre is the, is the first pin here, right? So once they lock Andre in, if they're able to keep him, then everybody else can can be re-signed. Zaza Pachulia, JaVale McGee, all their other free agents, they and Sean Livingston. But Andre Iguodala is a proud man and finals MVP, and he wants to feel like he's being respected by the Golden State Warriors, that this isn't just uh, that they think they're going to keep him just because they're keeping the band back together. He wants them to pay, and then he wants them to respect him. And So when he feels respected, I think that deal gets done.
1: Wendy, and then Goodman, give me your quick take on Andre Iguodala, whether or not Warriors fans need to be nervous about him moving on, especially with all the luxury tax very concerns fascinating down
0: the road. What, Go ahead, Very Wendy. fascinating what Kevin Durant did here. Kevin Durant could have said he wanted the full max contract. Mm-hmm. and In that case, there would have been a box that the Warriors would have had to fit everybody in. But because is willing to take less, it opens it up for the Warriors, all players, to get paid. And that, Andre Iguodala owes Kevin Durant a debt of gratitude on that, and that means that they're going to put the screws to owner Joe Lacob and force him to make the best offer possible. Had they Durant wanted his max, they would have had a, a finite amount to offer Andre Iguodala. But now Iguodala wants the market to be flushed out. He is not going to take a hometown discount, and he's going to go out there and find what his market is, and he's going to want the Warriors to pay his market, not what they think his market is. Goodman, what you got?
1: You know, I
3: talked to somebody within the the Golden State organization uh, two weeks ago and then yesterday, and I'll tell you this, they were far more confident than they were going to keep Andre Iguodala than they are today. He's obviously out there. As Ramona said, it's a pride thing to some degree with Andre Iguodala. That's how he's always been, uh, even since he was in college. So I I think he's going to check out the market. Uh, He wants to be stroked a little bit. I think ultimately he ends up going back to Golden State if the numbers are close.
1: Hey, guys, great job bringing information. We know you guys are working the phones. Uh, Actually, I'm not saying goodbye. I'm just saying see you later. We'll talk to you later on in the show, okay? Sounds good. All right, so much for standing pat and waiting out the Warriors. I said after game one of the finals that there was no way LeBron would take losing lying down. He never has. And while there have been reports and rumors about a three-way deal for Paul George involving Kevin Love or getting mellow should the Knicks buy him out, Cleveland also is in the process of replacing departed GM David Griffin. Chauncey seems to be taking his sweet time, as he should. Dave McMenamin, what do the Cavs have cooking right now?
4: Well, they got to figure out a deal to either be the GM or the president or the head of the front office with Chauncey Billups. We're going on a week and a half right now with free agency looming in hours and they still haven't figured it out. Now, I had one league source float to me that perhaps this was all planned out on Chauncey's part for two reasons. One, it drums up some leverage. If he is the only candidate the Cavs have in mind, the only way he can pry some more money out of Dan Gilbert is to make Dan Gilbert believe that he could potentially say no to the deal. While he has not taken care of an alternative solution, should Chauncey say no. And, and the second part is these last 10 days, Chauncey has not worked for anybody. So, we can call up any single player under contract mm. and say, Hey, what do you think about coming to Cleveland next year when I am working for the Cavs? So, that is something that's certainly on our radar covering the Cavs, trying to figure out when that's going to get figured out. Beyond that, the Cavs are cash strapped, they are luxury tax laden, and their only option, really, tonight, their main objective when 1201 strikes is to contact Kyle Corver. And let him know that he is a priority, and they want to resign him, and they're going to offer him a deal, and, and go from there. Uh, of course, at the same time, uh, it's not like they had to wait till twelve oh one to keep calling Indiana about Paul George, and there's still fervent interest from the Cavs in Paul George.
1: All right, keep us up to date as, as the evening goes on, Dave McMenamin. Thanks a lot. And the winner
5: of the twenty
1: seventeen NBA Most Valuable Player Award is Russell Westbrook.
5: I want to thank my family. I told myself I ain't going to cry, but my little brother, you mean so much to me. My beautiful wife, good or bad game. Every time I see your face, there's nothing but brighten me up. And I just want to say that I love you. Thank you again. Appreciate
1: it. Tom Finn, a couple of years ago, I remember people calling you crazy. This is before the Golden State possibility came up. This was Durant to D.C. And you were saying the Thunder, they need to trade Durant and get something for him rather than risk losing him for nothing, which they ultimately did to Golden State. I said that? You did. I remember it. I was there when you said it. (laughs) Tonight, the Thunder can offer Russ five years, 207, at midnight.
6: Yeah. What if he doesn't take it? Well, he shouldn't. He shouldn't? He shouldn't. He's got 59 million coming to him over the next two years, and he's earned the right to check his options. I mean, he stepped up big time last summer when he committed to them to avoid this whole circus. You know, Durant leaves, and it's like, Westbrook's next, Westbrook's next. No, he's not. He stayed. He stayed. So when he stayed, that changed it. Made a peaceful year. He goes on to become clear MVP. Yeah. And he's going back. And they got a big, healthy team built around him. They got to get a little different. They got to get better. But I don't think he should be obligated to take the $207 million but now. It, but
1: put yourself in Sam Presti's chair. If he doesn't take it, does that signal, and that's what people are speculating about, whether it was yeah. Royce Young or an Oklahoman, that if he doesn't take it, if you're Sam Presti, do you have to be proactive and say, okay, we got to move this guy as opposed yeah. to history repeating itself again.
6: If he doesn't take it, it'll be a mess for Sam Presti. Because and we, how do you build a team? It'll be the lead tomorrow. Yeah. We'll talk about it on the touchscreen. We're going to put all this in. Where's he going to go? We'll rank the top five places for him in a year. <laughs> you know, you whatever, producing the show, already. Whatever it's going to be, we're <laughs> right. going to do it because that's what we do. Yeah. And it'll be Durant all over again. And it'll be difficult. And then he'll have to consider whether he should trade him. Same thing I actually said a few years ago. With Durant, you got to really consider it. Mm-hmm. It was a different phase for them then, though, because they were sort—they were in go for it mode. And if it had ended better, if they had beaten Golden State, yeah. the way they darn near did, Durant might still be there. They might still be happy. That was good. It was smart to keep the team together then.
1: Right. And you got a chance to keep him. You don't move him before right. you have to. That said, let's say he does take it. Okay. They seem to be kind of cap-strapped, you know, from, from a layman's perspective. There have been a lot of whispers. I think Royce Young has thrown this out there. Sam Presti's got sign-and-trade things in his back pocket percolating for Blake Griffith to bring him home. How does this team get better around Russ, given their current situation?
6: Uh, they're going to have to get different. They are completely capped out. So they don't, you know, they've given $20-plus plus deals to Stephen Adams and to Oladipo. And they've given Canner $18 million. So it's just boom, boom, boom. And that's for the foreseeable future. Yeah. So they're going to have to uh, improve from within, add a marginal piece, or Sam Presti going to have to pull a rabbit out of his hat via trade. Yeah. Who is that rabbit? I don't know. We <laughs> right, should yeah. see velocity of movement of players, though. And if we see players moving over this next week, yep. we should see uh, them in the middle of that because those players I mentioned are serviceable, good players. Yeah. They just on big numbers. All right, Tom Penn. Well, you know what? Maybe we'll see you tomorrow on that touch screen
1: talking about Russell Westbrook. <laughs> Hopefully hope. not for OKC fans. They don't want to live that again. No, they don't. <laughs> a panel of 65 ESPN experts rank Mike Trout, Clayton Kershaw, and Bryce Harper as the three best players in baseball. And checking in at number four, Paul Goldschmidt, who since 2015 leads all first basemen in RBIs, stolen bases, and defensive runs saved. He also has a strong chance to join Jeff Bagwell as the only first baseman in Major League Baseball history to hit 30 homers and steal 30 bases in a season. And it's good to have the chance to talk to America's first baseman himself, Paul Goldschmidt, D-backs, Rockies, Chase Field, 940 Eastern. Paul, thanks for joining us. And what do you think about that ranking, number four? How do you feel?
7: Uh, It's pretty good. had no idea, so uh, definitely to be thrown up there with those great players is a, a big honor.
1: What kind of honor and what would it mean to you to be the NL MVP? You got a couple of runner-up finishes over the last five years. What would that mean to you to be MVP this year?
7: Uh, You know, honestly, I think if that happened, the biggest thing would mean we probably made the playoffs as a team, and that would be, you know, the thing I would enjoy most. So, you know, I've had some good years individually, but uh, as a team, we haven't reached our, you know, goal of winning the World Series in the last few years, haven't made the playoffs. So, you know, kind of that award usually goes to a team that's in the playoffs, so that's where, to me, would be pretty special.
1: Now, your former hitting coach, Mark Grace, my favorite quote about you, he once described you as Jesus Christ in a baseball uniform. He said, you're everything you would want in a baseball player. What did that compliment mean to you?
7: Uh, Grace, he's pretty good with words, and, uh, you know, he was awesome, so, you know, it's obviously a big compliment. He's played with, uh, some of the greats, and, uh, you know, the biggest thing for me is you gotta go out there and, and keep doing it. He probably spoke a little too highly of me, and, uh, Just take it day by day, and I'm going to have my ups and downs, but just try to go out there and help us win. And, you know, stuff that's happened in the past has been good, but just, you know, looking forward to tonight's game and and the rest of the year.
1: What's up with this power surge, man? Because tonight, Major League Baseball will set its all time record for home runs in a single month, and we're on pace to see a record number of homers this season. To what do you attribute that spike in homers? Uh
7: Man, I I didn't even know that until you said that right there, so that's pretty cool. I mean, I honestly have no idea. Uh, I wish I could give you a better answer than that. I mean, I don't know if it's just something that's sticking out for one month or if it's a trend that's going to continue throughout the year. I guess we'll have to, you know, wait and find out. But, you know, I couldn't really tell you.
1: There's a lot of buzz in Phoenix right now when it comes to the sports scene. Obviously, the Cardinals are always in the mix. You got you guys doing well. Free agency in the NBA coming up with the Suns, who just drafted Josh Jackson. Obviously not for his first pitch skills. Did you peep Josh Jackson and that uh, Aaron first pitch, that 50 cent type first pitch the other night?
7: Yeah, you know we were watching. Whenever you got you know other celebrities or other athletes coming out, you want to see how they're going to do. And you know both the guys were throwing out there, and I couldn't really tell how far off it was. It, it didn't. It was just didn't a bit outside. It until I saw the replay after the game. Yeah, I know. What from my angle, I just thought it was a little wide. But uh, you know, seeing uh, the highlights was one of the first things I saw after the game. It was on the TV, and you know, had a good laugh. But. Man, it's, it's not as easy as it looks. And, you know, if we were going to go shoot hoops or something like that, I'm sure we'd embarrass ourselves, too.
1: Yeah, well, look, I'm not making fun of him because I'm sure I would one hop it if I ever had the honor of throwing out a first pitch. Um, your connection to the community, well documented. Um, obviously, a very humble guy, so don't mean to make you uncomfortable with this part. But you and your wife, Amy, you guys spend so much time at the Phoenix Children's Hospital that you both have visitors credentials. Why is that so passionate uh, to you and Amy to spend so much time at the hospital? What's the connection there?
7: Um, you know, when I got called up, I just wanted to get involved with the community out here in Phoenix and get back and help out however we could. You know, we're given this status as an athlete and so many people come to the games and watch us on TV that I wanted to, you know, be able to, to help out and, you know, just kind of met someone that worked at Phoenix Jones Hospital. I was like, oh man, there's not a better place than there to go hang out and try to get back and help the kids. So my wife and I just started volunteering over there and really we do the easy thing. We just go over there and hang out. And, you know, play video games, play board games, and, and all that type of fun stuff. Let the doctors and nurses and employees over there handle the medicine. So, we just try to go distract the kids and families, sign some autographs, bring some pictures, that type of stuff. And um, I would say the other thing is just all the kids and families over there, they're our neighbors. So, you may not know what people are going through, but it really is um, the whole, whole city of Phoenix and the state of Arizona. Um, there's people from all over the state. And so, we're able to just do our small part, and we know everyone's doing their part as well.
1: And that, ladies and gentlemen, is why they call Paul Goldschmidt America's first baseman. That right there. We appreciate you joining us, man. Continue success, and we'll talk to you down the road. All right, back to the NBA we go. So Mark Stein said it is growing resignation among interested teams that New Orleans will come to terms quickly with Drew Holiday on a massive five-year deal. Ramona Shelburne says after meeting with the Pelicans, Holiday's plan is to sleep on his decision tonight. If he wants to hear other pitches... Meetings will be set in LA later. Ramona, what's the latest on Drew Holiday?
2: Well, like they were so good to him this year when he was dealing with some. Unimaginable family yep. drama and stuff that he had to deal with with his, with his with his wife and with his with his baby. Uh, they were so good, and he's very loyal to that organization. Plus, I think they understand that they need to step up and pay him because if he leaves in free agency, they would only have thirteen million dollars to go find a new point guard. And I think ownership there understands that. They, you know, you just made the big trade for Boogie Cousins. You got Anthony Davis, and he's entering into his prime. You've got to get a point guard there because they they quite simply cannot replace him. So I think he stays in New Orleans. Um he's going to sleep on it. But, you know, I think he stays there.
1: All right. A lot of talking uh, among the Clippers about losing Chris Paul and the fallout from that. The possibility mm-hmm. of losing Brian Windhorst. Oh, excuse me. Losing Blake Griffin. Brian Windhorst, you're <laughs> not going anywhere because you have to <laughs> tell me. Like, <laughs> you have to tell me about J.J. Reddick, who the L.A. Times says he's interested in joining. Wait for it. The Rockets, if the finances could work. Obviously, the 76ers are in play. Any shooting. The Nets, of course, are also rumored for Reddick who's looking for 16 to $18 million a year. Winhorse? what do you have on J.J. Reddick?
0: Oh, to be a free agent in the NBA, I would love it so I'm much. I'm saying. Um, so J.J. Reddick's market isn't as clear as uh, as, as initially looked a, a while ago. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets and Philadelphia 76ers, two teams he was hoping to make a major bid, now may not go that direction. The 76ers looking to do short deals because they want to maintain salary cap space into next year, and the Nets may be targeting younger players. Reddick is over 30 years old, so he may have to search a little bit. Ultimately, he's a shooter in a shooter's league. He's going to get paid, but right now, the Rockets do not have salary cap space um, to offer J.J. Redick a contract. So if they were going to do a deal with them, they'd either have to offload money uh, to, to create space or have to call their good friends, the L.A. Clippers, back into a second sign-and-trade deal um, that would uh, you know, move Redick there. So, um, like I said, Daryl Moore is in L.A. J.J. Redick is on, is on the menu for him. But Redick may have to, to wait a little bit to see how the market plays out to see where he ends up.
1: So frustrated Celtics fans think that Danny Ainge is the opposite of Daryl Morey, Jeff Goodman, when it comes to, as, as Windhorst says, his schemes having schemes. Big major plans for Danny Ainge in terms of getting Gordon Hayward or Blake Griffin and then trading for Paul George. But let's say that doesn't happen. Everybody wants Paul George and Gordon Hayward and Blake Griffin. What is the Celtics backup plan if they don't get one of these marquee free agents?
3: Yeah, the Celtics fans don't want to hear this, but it could be to Stan pat and go in with those draft picks and keep them until they get more value as you see guys like Michael Porter, Deandre Ayton, Mobamba play next year in college Well, Jason Tatum they looked could good have in a top practice today. pick
1: next year. Jason Tatum looked That's great in practice. Jason Tatum can shoot the ball. <laughs> yeah,
3: no doubt. And he'll listen, he can help them. Uh, they've obviously got a bunch of guards. They need to try to figure out what they're going to do financially with Isaiah Thomas and Avery Bradley as both of their contracts expire after next year, and they're paid uh, you know, 6 and $8 million respectively. So that's going to be something that Danny Ainge has to figure out. But their biggest need after Gordon Hayward is getting a rim protector, getting somebody who can really rebound and protect the rim. They've got a kid who played overseas they drafted last year, uh, Ante Zizic, who, who was the second-leading rebounder in Europe. They expect him to play 15 minutes or so next season. But maybe a guy like Nerlens Noel, who's a restricted free agent in Dallas. Okay. He's from Boston. I don't know if they want to break the bank for him, but I think he could be a guy that they look at. Hmm.
1: Interesting stuff. Great work all the way around. Ramona Shelburne, Brian Windhorst, uh, Jeff Goodman. We'll see lots more of you guys tonight, of course, when we go wall-to-wall NBA free agency starting at midnight. Appreciate it, guys. Kyle Lowry about to be a free agent after averaging 22 and seven assists last season. Uh, If he were to leave Toronto, he would be leaving his good buddy and backcourt mate, DeMar DeRozan, perhaps for the Timberwolves, who got a lot of cap space after the big Ricky Rubio trade to the Utah Jazz. My man, Mark Spears. Now, you spoke to DeMar DeRozan about Kyle Lowry, about his approach to keeping Kyle Lowry as best he can, or just recruiting other guys to Toronto, and explain why he has a unique approach in today's NBA when everybody's texting and calling and recruiting. DeMar DeRozan says, "Nah, that's not me. What's up with that?
8: Well, I was in the city of Compton yesterday. Uh, DeMar DeRozan was on his second or three days of a, his own free camp for kids, for over 100 kids. And uh, he, he said when I asked him about is he going to recruit Kyle Lowry to come back, he's like, you know, that's not his style. One of his quotes was, if – if you go apply for another job, I can't tell you not to take it. He feels like he should make the best decision for his family and it's not on him to tell another guy what to do. Now, he said if Kyle Lowry was to call him, he would certainly talk to him about it, but he doesn't want to have the pressure if things go wrong for someone to say, hey man, I thought you told me this was a cool place. So he said that's not his style, whether it's Kyle Lowry or any other free agents.
1: What do you got on Kyle Lowry in terms of his destination? I know uh, know, Philly obviously was a was a big uh, a big rumor. Now Minnesota has a whole bunch of money. Jimmy Butler is recruiting people. What you got on Kyle Lowry? Yeah.
8: Well, it's, it's, it's an odd situation in Toronto. I mean, his last game there was something that, that he'd like to forget and probably what the Raptors would like to forget. Second round sweep by the Cavaliers, and he didn't play due to an ankle injury that, you know, a lot of people were a little bit confused about. I actually asked DeRozan. If he had spoken to him about that ankle injury, he said no. Uh, the Toronto Sun said he didn't want to go back to the Raptors. Lowry made a rare appearance on Twitter and denied that. So, you know, now Minnesota seems very high on T. But, man, I mean, Kyle Lowry, 22 points, 7 assists, nearly 5 uh, rebounds a game. Even if you're high on T, to have a guy like Kyle Lowry available, uh, I think Minnesota now suddenly in the free agency point guard market should take a strong look at him.
1: All right, Mark Spears, strong work out of you. We appreciate it. Talk to you later, man. Uh, The San Antonio Spurs, of course, have Kawhi Leonard and Greg Popovich, but there's been a lot of talk since they were taken down by Golden State about them making big moves, much like the Rockets, and adding another star player like a Chris Paul, who's obviously now off the market. Yet had uh, Paul Gasol opt out and help them out with their cap, and now it seems to have gotten kind of quiet around the Spurs. So joining us now, beat writer Michael C. Wright, So what's the Spurs' plan? What's Pop's plan for free agency, man?
5: (laughs) Well, Mike, in terms of the big guns or, or that significant talent that you seem to be alluding to, they might have to be like Ralph Trezvan here in that you might have to count the Spurs out because they just don't have the salary cap space to be able to go after a max player. But what I will tell you, though, is that point guard. That's definitely a position of interest for the Spurs. They've shown some interest in Derrick Rose, obviously, Chris Paul. There was some passing interest there. And also, George Hill. With this whole Ricky Rubio trade going on, I think that that really opens the door for a San Antonio Spurs reunion for George Hill. As a matter of fact, you know, I, I, I frequent the, the social circles around here. I saw a flyer the other day that George Hill was hosting a party out here in San Antonio. Mm. His wife is from around this area, so I think that that he would be – a guy that would be a good fit with the Spurs and how Spurs would it be to go back and get the guy that you traded to get Kawhi Leonard in the first place? That would be very very Spurs. Spurs, But that's the case here. (laughs) Very Spurs. And the thing is, I think that the Spurs initially in free agency, they will be in somewhat of a holding pattern just to see how the market pans out. Because like I said, they don't have that cap space to go after a max guy. But they also want to bring back a couple of their own free agents. When, it, when you talk about a guy like Patty Mills, Jonathan Simmons, those are guys that they would like to bring back. But they also, like I said, they need a point guard.
1: All right. Well, we know if the Spurs are relatively quiet in June and July, we know we'll still be talking to them, talking about them one way or the other in next May or June, because that's just how they roll. Thank you, Michael C. Wright. We appreciate it. How you going to have a free agency conversation and not talk about that man, Pat Riley, who when he gets you in the room, that might be a wrap. He has first crack at Gordon Hayward and adding him to that team that he and Eric Spoelstra got going in the second half and barely missed the play- playoffs. Obviously, Deion Waiters is a free agent, so who better to bring us into Miami than the mayor of Heat Island, that's el Hassan? And, of course, son of Miami, George Sedano. So uh, let's start with you. I mean, how significant is it that Pat Riley has the first meeting with Gordon Hayward, followed by Boston and in Utah? I think it's,
3: it's fairly significant because, it, you know, he gets to put the uh, best foot forward. And not only that, but we also have rumors that his wife is fond of Florida. We also know that Florida has no state income tax. So they're ahead of the curve as far as their main competitors being Utah and Boston in terms of things that they can offer. But again, as you mentioned, Mike, there's no, probably no better salesman in the league than Pat Riley because what he's showing you is not just beautiful Biscayne Bay. He's showing you
1: trophies, rings, banners, and most importantly, Miami, as George knows, culture. I mean, I mean you, you said off the top maybe the most important thing, and George, you know what I'm talking about here. He said the wife is fine in Miami. That's, that's a game changer. Forget Pat Riley. Forget Brad Stevens. Yeah. <laughs> forget the basketball in Boston or even in Utah. The wife wants Miami. He's going to Miami. Am I right, George?
9: Yeah, happy wife, happy life, you man. Know? We all know how that works around <laughs> here. But listen, and Pat Riley, look, he's go yeah. big or go home. He has big plans for this team. He felt that with the second half that they had, getting you know 30 wins and 11 losses, they were one of the better teams in the NBA in the second half, third best record, top six in both offensive and defensive efficiency. He feels like if he can add a Gordon Hayward, he can be a 50-plus win team and be the second seed in the Eastern Conference. And, look, don't, don't get it twisted. Pat Riley feels like if he gets LeBron in a series, him and Eric Spolstra, that yeah. they
1: have at least a shot to win that series. All right, uh, George, and then Amin, the before I let you go. Tell me, the th- as the clock ticks, we've got about five hours or so before the party really gets started. What team, what player, what storyline, George, are you looking at tonight? What's the thing you really locked in on that you want to see develop?
9: I'm curious on Gordon Hayward. He wants to make a decision as quickly as possible. He's going to see the three teams in three straight days. To me, he's the biggest free agent that's attainable. Obviously, Steph and Kevin aren't going anywhere. So he's the guy I want to know where he goes because I think he can change the balance in the Eastern Conference particularly a little bit if he chooses either Boston or Miami. I
3: mean – Yeah, the Hayward domino is going to be the one that sets up everything else. What happens to Paul George, what happens to Blake Griffin, perhaps what happens to Carmelo Anthony. So not to be lazy and just piggyback on what George said, but Gordon Hayward switching zip codes, that's going to be the thing that sets up what everybody
1: else does. All right, and we'll certainly see what Blake Griffin and others do, but uh, no shortage of storylines. Fellas, we appreciate you dropping knowledge on the 6th. John Calipari, yesterday at the end of the show, we were talking about the possibility of an intermediary reaching out to the Knicks on his behalf. He's like, yo, I'm riding camels in Egypt with the under-19 team saying I can't escape these rumors. Are you kidding me? It's 5 in the morning here, and this is what I wake up to. What would an offseason be without a Coach Cal rumor? It was fun while it lasted. Cassidy Hubbard, ladies and gentlemen, perfect company for the countdown. Seeing as though she's everywhere, doing everything these days, battling the network stars, first take this morning, and a first take primetime special with Stephen A. Max coming up at 8 on ESPN. Yes. You remember yes. how to do this? From our no, years years I'm days? on the
2: big boy studio. I don't know, I'm a little intimidated <laughs> right now. Let's get it cracking.
1: With a guy you had the pleasure of interviewing this morning, Julie yes. Edelman.
4: My body's my temple. That's why I like to feed the burgers. Only one burger a day to keep the conditioning away. <laughs> What's on your burger is kind of like your children. You never know how they're gonna turn out, but you gotta love them all. So sometimes I'm feeling a little Thousand Island, sometimes I'm feeling a little BBQ onion ring bacon. I don't know.
1: You know that's deep, Cassidy. What's on your burgers like your children? That's, that's a serious decision making. what you like on your burger?
2: Oh, an egg. Is that crazy? I've never done the egg thing. I know you need to do the egg thing. Like yesterday, I actually did last night. A uh, little sunny side Barbecue up.
1: Barbecue sauce, jalapenos. It's doing too much. Pickles. What jalapenos? Cheese.
2: It's too much. Then where's it It gets lost? The burger gets lost. I'm a meat cheese. Take you to Five
1: Guys when we leave. Okay. Okay. So Nike has filed a formal complaint saying that Rob Gronkowski's logo is too similar to the Jumpman logo. Nike's a, oh, excuse me, Gronk is a Nike client and spokesman. A Nike spokesman said that we hope to work this out to everyone's satisfaction. Seeing as though you and I are both Team Jumpman. Come at the king, you best um, not miss. Fall, th- Stand down, Gronk. Stand down.
2: Yeah, no, I, can they make it another color? Why is that to be that black and white? And- That's
1: true, because the logo itself isn't exactly
2: yeah, you know, it, the
1: same it, silhouette. But.
2: I, I agree. Don't, again, <laughs> don't, don't miss.
1: Mm-mm, don't come at G- the king. Gronk,
2: Gronk. Gronk's having a rough summer so far.
1: I, I said that we were going to keep Gronk out of this countdown, because I'm tired of talking about his spending and his inappropriate jokes and all this kind of stuff, but he keeps popping up. Number one story on ESPN.com is this story Gronk versus Jumpman. Still innocent. Did you hear this story? Two weeks ago, Giants punter Brad Wing posted this video to Instagram and commented, Half of you can't even spell six miles. That's a Nicki Minaj quote, I guess. Nicki Minaj responded, yes, promising (laughs) a shout out in one of her songs. And today, she fulfilled that promise in a new song with Calvin Harris, which I have not heard. Um,
2: Oh, but everybody's on that, Calvin Harris.
1: You got to hit me to that. I'm I'm listening to something. You just put me.
2: I'm 444.
1: I did. But I check was this not out. a title. So check us out. Random athlete getting a shout out on the song. This is the number one of all time, right? Brad Wing?
2: Yeah, but you know what? Don't sleep. Nicki Minaj, she is high key sports fan. She is. So I wouldn't put past clever. her that she, you know.
1: You know who needs to step this game up? Marquette King. Yes, exactly. Number one punter with the most style, Brad Wing has been a Nicki Minaj song now. I'm just gonna
2: call him the number one punter, though.
1: Step your game up. Yeah. I'm talking about just in terms of overall just just... swag. Okay, got so it. So according to Frank Isola, last summer Phil Jackson here's another story. Had a disastrous pitch meeting with the Stop. free agent. Stop me if you've heard this before. He needed help to get his computer to work, and he showed clips of your '90s Bulls, mm. Cassidy, running in triangle offense. The free agent couldn't tell if Jackson or Jeff Hornacek was the coach. Jim Behan, by the way, told our Meyer Metcalf that the triangle is the worst offense ever unless you have MJ and Kobe. I mean,
2: have you ever been so loyal to something the way that feels loyal to the triangle?
1: Don't you wish you can get people in your life that were that loyal?
2: Yeah, exactly. You know? I mean... My mom.
1: Right. Shout out. Maybe not, me. Even not, you
2: know not, even. not even though. You know what? Not even though. He was though. gonna die on that
1: hill. Not even of though. A <laughs> offense.
2: Yeah, it's him,
1: uh, Phil. So this guy. Let go. This was not a good idea. See, this keeps happening when people don't take the physics into account. But
2: why? Did, like, why did he think it was gonna be that cool? It's not like you're jumping over the car. You're just running on the car.
1: But the weight, ah. it's not. I mean, I I want to see the. It's not even like. Anyway, let's leave it to the professionals, like Costa Koufou's right there. Check slow motion. Watch, watch, wait for it, wait for it. How about that?
2: I'm watching. Hey, Take it a while, little too slow. But
1: he just wants you to appreciate this is like it.
2: super, super slow. Well, he must have that new iPhone.
1: He needs to be in the dunk contest, which again was disastrous last year. But that's oh, what God. he's got in his arsenal, Mr. Kufu. That was there nice. You go. All right. Hey, Cassidy, I- you were nice. I don't know how you find the energy to do all this. I don't
2: know if I had it.
1: Before I call it a day, let me tell you why Dale Earnhardt Jr. had a good day, won the pole at Daytona. This victory lap of a season. This is his last appearance at Daytona. He's won there 17 times in his career, trailing only Tony Stewart and of course his late father, Dale Sr. Friend of the Show. Shout out to Dale Jr. Make it 18 wins down at Daytona. All right, that's it for the six more sports centers. Next, we will go live to Brisbane, Australia, weighing a pacquiao horn. Don't miss
0: Woj on SVP tonight. See y'all later.